0: My, I have a, I'll try to keep a short message, uh, and it's called Joy in Your Faith. How many of you, I don't, I'm not going to ask you to put up your hand right now. I don't want to get too personal here. How many of you have joy in your faith, in your life? A lot of Christians uh, don't have joy in their faith. And I think even, even us who do have joy in our faith, we go through periods of time when it's not there. It's not there as much. And uh, sometimes when this happens, when you lose the joy, when you lose the peace, uh, the relationship gets uh, replaced by religion. So even though we lose the joy, we keep coming to church, we keep greeting people, we say we're doing well, uh, we're putting on, putting on a show that everything is fine, but it, we've lost something on the inside. We've lost the joy. We've lost the stuff that should be there. Have you guys ever been to a, a family gathering or some kind of reunion after maybe a number of years where suddenly you meet your relatives or, or some people you know, maybe they're part of your family, but you haven't seen them for like 20 years, and, and then when you see them, it's like, hey, and, and you talk for like one minute, and then after a while you realize that actually there's nothing to talk about. Has anybody ever experienced that? Have you ever gone to a family reunion or, or some kind of gathering? And then after a while, it's just awkward. Because you have, the, you have the, the connection, but you don't have the relationship. And it's like easier to talk to, to somebody, somebody who's not your family, but who you know, because you have the relationship. So you have the outward form, and just the, the inside stuff is not there. And unfortunately, a lot of Christians live the Christian life with just this outward form without having the real close relationship on the inside. And then their religion, their Christianity is based on uh, rules. And it's based on have-tos. And, and I have to do this. You know, I have to do that because I'm a Christian. If you have your Bibles, let's turn to Romans chapter 14. And uh, it's an interesting chapter uh, on rules and their interpretations. I'm not going to read through the whole thing. I'll just pick up a couple of verses from there. In this chapter, it says that some, some believers uh, believe that, that you should eat only vegetables. And other, other believers believe that you can also eat meat. And uh, then there were some believers who said that, you know, one day is holy. God said there's a Sabbath, so you must have like one Sabbath day. And, but other, other Christians said that, you no, know, every day is holy. I dedicate each day to, to God. Some Christians drank wine, and some didn't, and they considered it wrong and sinful. And Paul's instruction uh, in verse 12 and 13 of chapter 14, we can read, So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. So whatever you believe about these things, you'll give an account to God about it one day. Therefore, let's stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in your brother's way. So Paul's instruction is, don't, don't judge someone by what they believe about these minors. These like, minor, small things, like what you think is okay to eat, or, or keeping a Sabbath day in, in a certain way, or those kind of things. And he said, instead, uh, build each other up. And I love, like what we did here, what you said there, Pastor Steve. As we came to the communion, we all come from the different backgrounds we may have different opinions. We may have different thoughts on stuff, but it doesn't matter. We're all, if we're believers, we're all saved by the blood of Jesus, and we put all those things aside, and we all come on the same level, and we all take the communion, the blood and Je- blood of Jesus and and His body, and it doesn't matter the, the small things what we believe. And Paul says, this is the point: don't get focused on the minors. But then, almost as a side note, in verse seventeen, he says this: Listen, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking. Of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. I love this verse. The kingdom of God is not a matter of those rules or those little beliefs or the minors, but the kingdom of God, Christianity, is about love, joy, righteousness. This is the stuff we got to have. This is Christianity. This is what we need to have inside of us. Real living faith uh, is something amazing. And If you have that, uh, you will have the joy and the peace. My old youth pastor used to tell me, if you think Christianity is boring, you're boring. I like that. Because I think it's kind of true. I think if you think that the faith is boring, there's something wrong. There's something wrong in your understanding. You haven't caught it. You You don't know what it's about. Or maybe you had it, but maybe you lost it. First thing... To realize, I'm just giving you some, some reminders, a lot of you, maybe for someone this is new stuff. First thing that you need to have um, to have that real, real living faith inside, or first thing you gotta realize is that God started it. God started everything. God, God initiates everything. In the beginning, the first words of the Bible, in the beginning, God. There was nothing, but in the beginning, God, he's always been there. And, and he started creating. He took an initiative. He did something first. Then the story of Adam and Eve in Genesis. You remember when they fell into sin, they took the forbidden fruit. And they were naked and shamed, and they covered themselves with fig leaves and a pathetic attempt to get clothed. And God killed a animal, and he, he clothed them with leather. Gave him awesome leather jackets. And it was much better. And it was God's initiative uh, of clothing them. And it's, it's a picture of, of clothing us also with righteousness. While our, our own attempts to earn something are just like those leaves. They're, they're nothing. They cover nothing. We can't hide. But God's initiative. Then if you think about Abraham, um, Abraham was an old old guy. I think he was 80. Uh, Tamsin, was he 80 when he was called? (laughs) Tamsin is one of my old youth, so now comes the pop quiz. Remember what I was teaching in 2009? (laughs) Abraham was old, older, and God suddenly called him. He said, Abraham, I want you to pack up all your stuff. And he was a rich man, and he had a lot of stuff. And you you move to this other country. And Abraham's thinking, where am I going to go? God's not telling him doesn't matter you just move all your stuff and go we've moved a lot and it's not fun moving is not fun you have to pack up a house or apartment and we have stuff all around the world we have stuff in Finland I think we have some stuff even in Sudbury when I was young when my parents lived there we have a house full of stuff in Albania Um, I don't think we have any stuff here (laughs) maybe we should leave some stuff here (laughs) and uh, it's you know it's a lot of stuff to move around and it's stress and it's hard and it takes faith and when you're older you don't feel like moving when you were younger. I I don't know yet about that but but I know moving is hard. So God called Abraham. Just suddenly God said, "Abraham, go." Who started this? God started this. And then the most famous verse is John 3:16. Let's say John 3:16. Ready? Set. Go. Okay, you can stop. The beginning is what I wanted to say. For God so loved the world that he... Dot, 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 he started something again. He loved the world. He started something. God initiated something. And God does that. Do you remember this Bible spot? When we were dead in your transgressions, God... And you can put again, dot, dot, dot. When you were dead in your sins... God did something. I can testify also from my own experience when I was a teenager, a Christian Christian boy, but living in the world and not living a Christian life and doing the bad thing that I shouldn't have been doing. That God was speaking to my heart when I was about 15 years old. I felt so restless at night when I went to bed after being out with my friends. I just had guilt and I knew that, oh man, God is... I knew God is calling me. And again, the same thing. God took initiative. I was just out there doing my own thing, rebelling, so to speak, against church or Christianity. And God did something. He took initiative. So first thing to realize about faith is that God starts it. God is the author of it. You don't do it. You didn't start it. You're not responsible for where you are. Even um, all who have been building this church are not just responsible for what's going on here, but it's God's work. God started it. God is using different people. And just also I thought in the pew there, I just wanted to say that I'm really thankful and, um, and happy for you guys. You have amazing team of leaders here. Don't take it for granted because I was um, here before and uh, we were praying and, and working and sewing and um, and now that, you know, it's been many years since we're gone, I see how God's brought in different people uh, who are excellent leaders and, and uh, excellent people, and even you have a new youth pastor. Um, it's awesome. And uh, God has brought together a great team. God is doing something, and that's God's faithfulness for your church as well. So God started it, and, and Paul tells the Galatians in, in chapter 3 and verse 1, um, You foolish Galatians, why do you try to continue something in your own effort that God started in the Spirit? So many times we try to continue something in Christianity. We try to fill up something, we try to do something that God started. Don't do that. We need to get back to the source. You can't live your faith in your own strength, in your own effort. You need to get back to Jesus, back to the source. Just be humble, go to prayer, go to worship. And I love to worship this morning. Man, it sounded so good too. I'm just so encouraged to be here. Because God is doing great things here. And uh, just worship. Just go to worship. It's all about God. Second thing I want to point out is that God first was God started. Second is that life is the goal. Life is the goal of faith. It's not rules. Do you have any hockey fans? Anybody like hockey? A few? I'm not a really a hockey fan, I'll watch the championship games, like, you know, the, the, the final ones, like when Finland is fighting against Canada and beats them. I watch those ones. But I don't... I don't... <laughs> it's been a while, I guess. The best is when Finland goes against Sweden, because we hate Swedens, Swedish people. We love them, but, but you know, we have this uh, battle with the Swedes. And... Uh... But, you know, hockey has a lot of rules. I mean... Just think of all the rules that are in hockey. It's got to be a certain size of the rink, right? It can't be any smaller, it can't be any bigger. It's got to be a certain length of a stick, right, kind of stick. The puck has to be the right amount of grams. I'm sure in NHL they're not going to use a puck that's a little bit too small or a little bit too big. It's got to be perfect. Uh, there's time. You can't go a second over unless there's some exception that happens. A lot of, a lot of different rules. Um, the number of players... Uh, think about all the the rules that I don't I don't I always kind of like but what was the what was icing again what was offside again like because I don't really watch hockey I know I know these but then sometimes I forget them but then there's the penalties boarding charging cross checking elbowing high sticking holding hooking interference misconduct roughing slashing spearing tripping a washout I don't know what's washout somebody tell me later but. So many rules, so many penalties. What a boring game. Just think about it. It's just full of rules. You can't almost do anything. You can't just like skate freely on that side almost, because there's a rule for that. Can't do that. It's just full of rules. What a stupid game. And People don't go to hockey game for the rules. They don't go there to see, oh, I wonder how well that person is obeying the rules. Oh, he broke a rule, you know. That's the ref that's the referee's job, right? That's not our job. We go to the hockey game to, to enjoy it. The, the purpose of the game is life. It's excitement, it's competition, it's battle, epic battles when Finland beats Sweden one more time. Yes, all the Finns are the nationalism. Oh man, it's intense. That's the only time Finns will shout. They won't do it in church, but they'll do it at a hockey game. And uh you know, hockey is not about the rules, but the rules got to be there to keep the game going. And in the same way, uh, life is not about the rules. Faith is not about the rules. It's not. We have those rules, but that's not why we live. We don't, we don't live because of the rules, but we live because of the life. We live because of what's there, the excitement, the relationship, the personal knowledge of Jesus. Jesus. Jesus is my friend. When I'm grieving, he's my comforter. When I'm suffering, he's my helper. When I need wisdom, I pray and he gives me direction. Jesus is all those things to all of us, if we want him to. So we need a, full, uh, we need a close relationship with Jesus. It's not about what you eat, it's not about what you wear, it's not about how well you perform the religious duties, how often and how many minutes you prayed yesterday and today and you will do tomorrow. But those things, yeah, we have structure and, and, and rules that keep us safe, that keep the game going, like even in hockey. You know, we have boundaries for marriage. We have, bound, we have principles for parenting. We have uh, principles for right living. And all these things are good things that keep the, the thing fair and, and real and protect everybody who's in it and, and they make it good. But it's not about those, but it's about life. It's about the joy and it's about peace. Just want to close with Galatians chapter 5, or just list the things, of the fruit of the Spirit, what God wants to give to us. He wants to give us love. He wants to give us joy. He wants to give us peace. He wants to give us patience, kindness, goodness, Faithfulness and self-control. And these things automatically will come from our life as we live uh, close to the source, as we live in the, in the vine, as we are branches. Remember that Jesus said, the living waters will flow from inside of us. And if you're in the place today that you don't have the, the living waters, you don't feel like the living waters are flowing from inside of you, I want to kind of wake you up and tell you that maybe it is because you made it a religion. You made it a ritual. You made it about the rules. You made it about something you got to do or something you don't have to do. And you're misunderstanding it. You're missing the point, And you're missing the life. So if you're in that place today, or if you've been there lately, um, you don't have to be there. You can get out of that. can get out of there by looking at Jesus just getting real with him getting honest with him yes if you have sin in your life putting that away because that will quench the relationship just like if in a marriage there's something between us um, it makes the relationship pretty cold the intimacy is gone it's got to be open lines of communication it's got to be honesty so if you have sin you got to deal with that but Jesus wants to come close to you. And this last um, analogy or idea I want to close, close with is, um, it was a Finnish politician. All the Finns will know this name, Päivi Räsänen. She's famous in Finland. She's a Christian politician. Amazing, amazing lady. I have 100% you know, respect for her. If like, respect goes up to there, I have it for this lady. Because she's in politics and she's a wonderful Christian. And she came to our church in Tampere. And she was telling us about the relationship with Jesus. And she said that when she was engaged, she received a letter from her fiancé. And when she received the letter in the mail, she didn't kind of slowly go home, get a cup of coffee, get a comfortable place, you know, wait for it, and then read it. But she was like, she ripped up the letter, and she was like, read it once again, you know, read it once, read it again, read it again, read it again, because she was so in love. With her husband, with their future husband, and uh, this is a, a love relationship with God. It's not about the rules. It's not about something like that. Should I pray? Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for this time we have together this morning, and uh, Lord, I want to thank you for this church. I want to thank you for your faithfulness, your goodness. Um, and thank you for, for raising up the, the leaders for this, this church that you have. Thank you for the wonderful team that's here. And Lord, I thank you for each person who's here and who's a part of this church. And you see them and you know them personally. You see where they are in their relationship with you. And Lord, I want to I wanna bless them. And like Paul was always saying to his listeners, grace and peace to, the, to them. Lord, I also pray for grace and peace for every one of us who are here. Lord, we all need it. We're, none of us are perfect. We desperately need you. We need your grace. We need to be close to you, Jesus. Lord, we thank you that we can find joy and peace in the relationship with you and in your presence. And Lord, I pray that if, if some of us are lacking that this morning, that you would help us by your grace to get to the place of repentance so that we can be filled again and we can, we can be overflowing like David said in the Psalms. In Jesus' name we all pray together.